Welcome to Top Fives, the show of everything. Top Fives, presented by the Sex Effects. I'm Joy Prati. And I'm Sean Day. And folks, today we have just a, uh, just a, a, a hell of a good time for you. Um, I'm counting on it. Um, but before we get to the hell of a good time, Jonathan, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, man, having a hell of a good time, man. Very good, very good. <laughs> But uh, yeah, just doing okay. It's been getting warmer and warmer in Los Angeles, so I've been trying to trap myself in my room and keep it cool and try nice. to go to places that have lots of AC. So, <laughs> um, But yeah, other than that, just doing fine. And, um, you know, 4th of July is this Wednesday. It's true. Happy it's birthday, crazy. America. Happy birthday, America. And uh, be safe with those fireworks if you have them. And I'm super stoked. Uh, the city of Alhambra that I live in um, still has uh, legal fireworks. You can still set off legal fireworks. Oh, nice. So um, people go cray over here. <laughs> well, you have the perfect view. Dude, last year, I remember, and the, it was like the, because I moved in June of last, I think June of last year, or May, June of last year. So yeah, last last uh, 4th of July was really interesting, you know, still getting to know my roommates and everything. and. Um, it was cool. We had like, I had some like friends over and, um, it was insane, dude. I mean, the view from our balcony was, you would look left to right and there was fireworks going on, like no matter what. And as, and the coolest nice. thing is as soon as like the sun is going down, no matter if it's pitch black or just like the sun, like it's just kind of light outside, people are setting those things off. Fuck yeah. And slowly and surely there are people setting them off tonight and you know, the next day, a couple days. So right on. It's uh, it's exciting because it reminds me of like being you know like when I was you know a kid and you know I I lived in Pacifica um, in the beginning of my uh, childhood so like you know fireworks were legal and I remember my neighbors setting off like the big M eighty you know just big uh, fireworks you can hear the uh, the walls shake and the like windows shake after it goes <laughs> off so um, but it's, it's exciting and you know I think. Um, just kind of, you know, summertime and, you know, I'm just kind of excited to be into the summer. So hell yeah. Yeah. Joe, how are you doing, man? Doing all right, man. It's Monday. I'm feeling it. I, I, I'm, I'm just dead. I'm dead. Mondays this week, are a man. drag, dude. Yeah. Mondays are definitely a drag, but you know, excited to do the show, right? Super excited. I'm not dragging <laughs> now kids. Um, but yeah. So, um, any like, yeah, let's get to our, you, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any? Do we have any news or anything? Do I, I was just gonna ask that. Uh, I don't I can't I, think of anything big. I know we always mention like movie kind of news and and that stuff. Um, have you heard about DC? Um, <laughs> the New York their, Times. Uh, no, oh, I don't know about that. But oh, uh, okay, I guess they're they're going to be releasing a like a streaming service for all like DC content. Yeah, with the Teen Titans and all that, the Robin and yeah. Whatnot. Looks um, okay, I guess. I don't, yeah, I, you know. It it's interesting because, like, you know, in this day and age, it's, uh, streaming is kind of the way most of us get all of our all of our, uh, you know, videos and movies and stuff. And um, it's interesting. Companies like DC and like Disney in in the next year uh, are kind of, you know, uh, um, straying away from like Netflix and those deals and letting those run their course and obviously creating their own platform because you know it's very lucrative. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of down with it. I just don't know how much it's going to be, and um, got to do more research. So I don't want yet another fucking streaming service because you know the Disney one is going to have to be a get. 
And oh hell yeah, there will be fucking hell to pay if Disney splits up into Disney streaming app, Marvel streaming app, Star Wars streaming app. Fuck oh, you, yeah, man. not getting any of my any more of my fucking money. Um, <laughs> I mean, they will at the theater, <laughs> and I'll buy the movies individually. But I'm not going to fucking do the streaming services. Um, yeah, it looks okay. I mean, um, what, what's your take on it? Um, I didn't see a lot of the DC. EU movies or DC Universe movies on there. I, I'm not sure if they're releasing those. And I know some content like the CW shows, they have a lot of partnerships with other streaming companies. So I feel like obviously those aren't, I don't think they're going to be on the on the service just yet, but I think it's just kind of like contractual stuff with other distributors like Netflix and Hulu or whatnot. So um, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, all the animated uh, stuff like I'm super down to like just have a place to get all that. Um, I heard there's gonna be like a comic book, like a digital comic book library. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So that's a cool idea, and I think that's place the strength of what DC is. You know, they, it's the comics and um, having a platform that you can. Uh, I can give them that. that having a platform where you can stream video content, look at comic, con- you know, like different types of media. Um, is very interesting, and I think that's yeah. a, um, definitely a sell as far as like if that's the service they're offering and all that encompasses, or all is encompassed in that service. I think that's a cool idea. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy to think because like we're I feel like most of us are cable cutters, right? We're yeah. streaming most of the time. And I was just thinking about this the other day. Like I just realized, like man, by the time like I sign up for Disney or like DC, it's like I'm going to be paying the same for like cable I'm these days. more than but. fucking cable. I mean, it's ridiculous, yeah. but, um, it, but I guess it's just the, uh, the instant, you know, we can stream it anywhere and all that, you know, of course that's always the convenient part of those streaming services. So, yeah. um, yeah. yeah. What was the news? So you were mentioning New York so, times. Yeah. So gosh, maybe in February in the comic books, uh, Batman proposed to Catwoman. And for months, it has been just the talk of the town in the comic book world that, you know, and all the stories have been leading up to this wedding. They go on a double date with uh, Lois Lane and Superman, and he has to, like, pick between Superman and fucking Nightwing as his best man and, you know, shit like that. And um, it sounded like they were really going to fucking get married. Well, the issue is supposed to come out July 4th. Um, today is July 2nd. So this was yesterday or the day before New York times drops an article and the title is, I guess it wasn't meant to be Batman and complete spoilers for how the story arc ends. Oh man. Um, and on New on New York, uh, New York times is on, I guess on their site. Yeah. On their site. It was in my Google news and shit. Um, so yeah. So basically, 50 issues. This one writer has been on this book, 50 issues, Tom King, and it's been leading up to this moment. And what happens? Selena Kyle decides, if I marry Batman, Batman will then be happy, and Batman can't be happy, so then there will be no more Batman, and all the people that Batman would have saved will not have been saved. So I can't marry him for the good of Gotham. It's such a bullshitty status quo preserving fucking thing. Like, But... I didn't think they would actually get married, and if they did, I didn't think it would be long-term. But it's a little frustrating. I mean, and I'm not reading the book, even. I've bought a few issues here and there. His two-issue rooftops is really good. Um, yeah. It's kind of an ode to their relationship and everything. But um, not only, like, to have, like, the ending be like, what? But then <laughs> to have it spoiled by the fucking New York Times 
days before it comes out and they've been oh, building yeah. this for 50 issues. Come on. That's definitely, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting when the New York times would do something like that. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. New York times. <laughs> yeah. That, that's interesting. And you know, now, you know, kind of have an idea of what the ending is going to be like. So yeah. Um, Spoilers kids. Yeah. <laughs> we got to insert that pre our discussion, <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, that's crazy. And, you know, now kind of seeing where that story went, like, uh, kind of wish, yeah, it went a, the different route. You yeah. know, the one that I feel like we were all hoping for. So I would have liked to have seen it. I would, I th- that would have been fucking balls on DC because comic Hell books yeah. are all second act, right? There can't be any real change or growth because then the story's over. So, um, that would have been cool. That would have been cool to see them continue the story, but as a married couple. Do you think they're uh, prolonging or kind of, uh, do you think they'll come back to that, that whole thing? Or is it at this point? I wouldn't want them to, it'd be like, stop it. You already like strung me along for 50 fucking issues. Yeah. Even though they didn't because I've been reading, but, um, (laughs) you know what I mean? But for, yeah, for the people who have like been, yeah, if it was a different writer, maybe I'd give it a shot. But if it was the same writer, it'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Um, but of the shit that I've read of his, it's all been very good. So it's like, I don't, you know, maybe it is a good issue because I haven't read it, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll the to, motivations we'll seem stupid. What do, you, what do you guys think? If any of you guys, you know, kind yeah, of read imaginary comics. Audience. <laughs> imaginary audience. Imaginary If you guys read the DC comics, if, you ha- if you've been reading up on the story uh, arc that Joey's been talking about, um, what do you guys think about that? For real, I wanted though. to. I, like when you mentioned, I was like, I want to see that happen. Like, yeah, cat. It's like the and then you know the per, they always have that. You know, they always. I always feel like those two characters go hand in hand together, in some way or form. So, it's uh, it felt like it was kind of leading to that. It you did. Know, there's always been that kind of um, tension and like chemistry between them. I guess so. It would have been very cool. Would have been very cool. But c'est la vie. C'est la vie. <laughs> uh, shall we get to some lists, my friend? Let's do it, dude. Um, before we start our list, I just want to shout out to the imaginary audience. You can come check us out live, counting down these lists on July 13th at 7 p.m. at East Village Cafe in Monterey. Um, please send us top fives that you would want to hear because we want to read your lists on that night, on our big yes. night. So, right us in. by surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll, of course, end the show with where you can hit us up with all that. But, um, so Shawnee, would you like to go first? Or would you like me to go first, my friend? Um, I'll go first, man. We, I, we've, uh, we talk a lot of movies on the show and, um, sometimes we talk about directors that we really enjoy Ooh. watching. And I feel like we've mentioned a couple of his movies cause I feel like we're huge fans of, uh, Indiana Jones. So, um, Joey, what are your top five? Steven Spielberg directed oh, movies. Oh my goodness. Okay. Fantastic. Number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Boom. Um, <laughs> it's, it's in my top five. It's just a perfect, it's a perfect adventure. It's, you know, Spielberg, when he was working like in that mode, he, he makes movies that make you want to go to the movies. You know, you, yes. you need to be there for that. It's for the experience. Yeah. You know, fuck. Yes. Wonderful. Okay. Number two, uh, saving private Ryan. Um, we talked a little bit about it last week. It's just, it's perfect. It's perfect. 
movie, war movie, and um, it, you know, it kind of synthesizes everything great about every other war movie ever made and puts it into one thing. And, and I think um, especially the visuals were copied, are still being copied, the color palette. Whenever someone yeah. shoots a movie that takes place in the 1940s, they do this that's trying to be Saving Private Ryan, but isn't really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so those three, those two. Oh my God. Uh, I'm going to say E.T. at number three. Uh, That's probably one of the earliest uh, Spielberg movies I remember, like as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so good. It's like. It's good. It's really good. Um, Shiny. I had to pull up, like. Because I was thinking, like, he's produced. He's kind of like, you know, kind of produced or, you know, he's been a part of some franchises but like specifically yeah. Spielberg and his his uh, way of, of filmmaking so um, alright so here we go um, how did I forget that he did Jurassic Park for a second I mean that's <laughs> that's how good he is he has that many good movies you forget oh yeah fucking Spielberg did Jurassic Park too um, I only have lists a room for two more and um Let's see, I want to get Last Crusade on there. But fuck, there's so many good fucking Spielberg movies, dude. Um, it's tough. Especially the earlier ones. I feel like we yeah. gravitate towards his earlier work. Totally. So. I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna go um, uh, Last Crusade at number four and Jurassic Park at five. Nice. Shawnee, good. Good. Oh man, you're right. We had not talked Spielberg before. Yeah, I, I figured it's it's uh, um, he's one of like the most influential directors I feel in the kind of that genre and the sci-fi genre. But also he's he's uh, he has been a part of so many different projects and and then of course with with the sci-fi genre in mind, also other types of filmmaking as well. But he has that specific style and he does. Um, his movies are always so grand and they always carry a, an interesting concept and idea in them. And, uh, there's a lot of, yeah, like a lot of different things working towards it. So, um, yeah, it's a tough list. I think we have a it pretty is. similar list. I was like, just thinking like, Oh man, I wonder if our list will be similar. <laughs> Let's uh, hear it. Dude. Number one, raise the lost Ark, Of course. How can't you? How can't you? freaking love that movie the endings the third act of the movie is just so i was i still get like kind of like anxiety <laughs> just watching that whole scene at the end where they're like stuck to the pole and they're closing their eyes and don't open your eyes don't open your eyes um and you know of course yeah the 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 that av- adventure and the, and this there's so many different um kind of like similar to Persimmon private ryan you said there's so many different elements and so many different things that um he's able to put in the film yeah. uh to really make it a solid film there's so many different themes that are happening um you know and of course it's the uh, you know for raiders of the lost ark it's a perfect kind of you know journey and adventure film and uh it takes the character from this place to this place and uh i think that's what he does very well is he can have a have a movie that's on on a grand scale and have these kind of characters and and set pieces and whatnot but also he finds a way to to grab that grab the audience and get them really invested in the character and really push them along the story 
Um, so someone like Indiana Jones, of course, you know, we look, yeah. we, we almost like inspired to be Indiana Jones, like oh, growing yeah, up and, sure. and even, Still. even now, dude. <laughs> uh, so, and that's, that's, that's great. Like that's what movies are supposed to do too, is really like, man, I want to, you know, I want to be an Indiana Jones. I really want to like, what if I can do that? You know? And it's that imagine your imagination goes wild. And I think that's the thing with Steven Spielberg is your imagination. Like, I feel like after a movie you're always thinking of something after it and yeah. I feel like he does that really well with his films so um Raise the Lost Ark number one I do have Saving Private Ryan as number two god damn look at um, us and we talked about that the other day and um you know it's, it's a really uh really realistic war movie but it also had all those different elements of brotherhood and and you know war and, and the effects of war the um, acting is fucking phenomenal as well the acting is phenomenal the cast is amazing and, and that's the thing too he made Vin he Diesel did. good yeah. <laughs> I forgot he was in that shit that's the power of fucking Spielberg is he made Vin Diesel fucking palatable Don um, Toretto man yeah brute. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, you will believe a man can act <laughs> yeah. yeah damn that's like and some of those actors too yeah it's I think that's the cast mentality too like the he he's able to really focus in on those characters, but also concentrate on the cast itself and the group. And that movie is perfect because it's it's a group of, of of you know brothers in the in the army and, and the military and and they're you know of course tasked to get this person on their mission to save Ryan, Private Ryan. So, <laughs> um, and that's uh yeah that's it's a interesting journey. And again, yeah, he he, he manages to create and pace it really well to the point where you're really invested in that in that story so that is number two very nice i've got jurassic park as three right on. um just one of my earlier memories of of spielberg and of course jurassic park you know the it's groundbreaking for its time and um it made me scared for dinosaurs <laughs> about dinosaurs and <laughs> had nightmares about uh you know velociraptors and stuff so yeah, um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a, again another solid film and also really tugging at the kind of like not sci-fi but just that you know it's in that world where you know is, this could you know like with genetics and stuff it's really weird because he I feel like a lot of his movies take um, technology or innovations or certain things that are happening in the culture today or during that time when the film is made and really kind of. Um, see where that technology or whatever else would be in the future. It's like, it could exist. Like, I mean, um, you know, we, we have a lot of, gen, you know, stuff with genetics and, and whatnot. And I don't think anyone's trying to make dinosaurs at the moment, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's very interesting. It's, it's taken that science of, you know, science and, and realism and, and really putting it into films that are, you know, supposed to be make believe. So, <laughs> and they really do sell it. So with, with the uh, dinosaurs, so Jurassic Park for number three. Um, for number four, I actually have Ready Player One. Um, oh, nice. Which I think I was looking at it, and this is why I kind of thought about Spielberg, because I was curious to see when this movie is coming out on digital, and I think it's coming out tomorrow on digital. Oh, shit. I think. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it, and I keep saying, Joe, check it out when it comes out. Um, I will. It's definitely... Uh, one, of course, it dives into virtual reality technology and, and where that might be in the next couple of years. But um, it's just an interesting story about, um, 
just about uh, relationships and, um, you know, kind of seeing where the society's at as far as, you know, how we're connecting with people on the digital aid or digital base versus, you know, in, in actual reality. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was a really cool movie and I, I enjoyed it and I saw it twice in theaters and um, it still gave me that Spielberg kind of uh, magic, like, you know, that feel when you watch a Spielberg film. You almost get in that mind state where you're kind of like, you know, you're very, cu- it's that curiosity of the movie and, and seeing how that unfolds. Do you think and even my uh, cynical ass will enjoy it? I think you will. And I, the, I think I mentioned this before, the one thing I thought was going to be the huge gimmick was having all those different kind of franchises and characters in the film. Um, but they find, he finds a way to really, um, use those to push the story and to kind of contribute to the story. Um, and I don't know, there's this really interesting kind of love story behind it, but not between the main character. Um, even though he has a, um, uh, a love interest in the film. So I thought, I thought that was very interesting as far as that is almost kind of the, not the forefront, but I feel like it's the kind of backbone of like the story or the plot. Right on. So you, you'll understand when you, when you see it, but um, yeah, check it out. It's a uh, ready player one, which actually came out this year. Um, and then I have for number five, it was a tough one, but I do remember seeing this film and actually remember watching this with my dad. And it's, it's one of the more, um, Series of of some of his films, uh, Schindler's List. Ooh, you went there, Shawnee. Yeah, um, you know it had. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name. Liam Why Neeson, Ben Kingsley. Liam, yes, Liam, oh, cast. Look at the cast there. Liam yeah. Neeson, Ben Kingsley. Um, you know, it's such an interesting story. You know about you know during that time of you know the World War Two and. Um, just uh, the way uh, how he's able to portray this this time period, and you know uh, how Jewish people um, were obviously you know being taken and and um, you know just cast away, and um, having a man who was there for for war, war profiteering and you know helping with the war um, found a way to to really see compassion and, and it's, it's a very interesting story. Of course, the, the topics and themes in the film are, are pretty, um, you know, pretty heavy as far as, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously not a great time in, in history and, um, you know, the, that time for, for, um, Jewish people and, and, you know, the war and everything it's, you know, that, that those are some heavy topics, but, um, finding a good story and, and a way to really see a change in a person too. And, you know, I feel like Liam Neeson's character, you really see that kind of evolve throughout the film. And I think that's uh, another thing I, f- I like about S- Steven Spielberg's films. Like you really see that change in the character. You really believe in that character, like that you're seeing up there. Um, even though now I see <laughs> Liam Neeson as a, uh, uh, the guy from Taken usually (laughs) 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 kind of like a Harrison Ford, like get off my lawn, (laughs) get get off my plane. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, well-deserved as far as, as the cast, you know, and being recognized for, for that film. So, um, yeah, that is my five. I love it, Shawnee. Wonderful, wonderful list. Um, 
So if you're at the spectrum where Spielberg is, my list for you is down a few pegs. Um, <laughs> Shawnee, what are your top five all-time favorite Adam Sandler movies? Uh, <laughs> you know what's funny? I was just thinking about Adam Sandler the other day. I don't know why. I think I was, I was thinking all about... over fucking Netflix. I was trying to explain to, I think, my roommate or one of, just someone at my work about... Um, Adam Sandler's com- like comedy CDs, which I got from you. Oh man, there's so what the hell happened to me is a masterpiece. It is a oh fucking masterpiece. I mean, I want to say I don't want to say anything about his films these days. Why not? Could, there's terrible. You can say okay. It. Yeah. Well, you know what? Like, I the do last two the, haven't been as bad. And it's the thing is, I, I've I've you know unfortunately been kind of turned off to Sandler in the last couple of years. But uh, man, I mean, he for for his comedy run and. And for his career, I, he has done so many different movies, and he has so many different characters. And um, yeah, man, his comedy, his sketch comedy was so good, man. It yeah. fucking and opera it, man and oh, dude, yeah, Schmitzke. <laughs> what was oh man? Well, okay, so now I'm thinking top five Adam Sandler movies. Oh, this is tough, man. I mean, oh shit, that's so hard. I'm gonna really go with on, number one on this one because I could probably watch this movie any time of the year. You know, I always feel like the kind of the top, you know, the top three or whatever films, or even the top five films. I always feel like you probably watch them on a regular basis, or you can watch them anytime and you still feel the same way. Yeah. So I'm gonna go number one, Happy Gilmore. Dude. Um, Gilmore happy <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one it's it's just such an interesting kind of concept a, ho- a failed hockey player who really wants to be a hockey player ends up becoming a professional golfer with an anger in, anger uh, you know management, management issue yeah. <laughs> yeah it's hilarious and uh, it's like kind of my I don't know if it was my introduction to Adam Sandler but it was definitely the the, the kind of like uh persona he put on and the you know the always angry kind of guy and he's yelling yeah. and all that stuff it's like you could tell you you know that's that's so signature to adam sandler and um i felt like he really pushed it to the limit <laughs> on that that movie so and um it's interesting i thought it was actually interesting because like that's a interesting concept like a guy a who great concept really, who really wants to be a hockey player and and somehow is convinced that he should play professional golf and he has Shooter McGavin, his little nemesis throughout the Shooter. whole. Oh my god, dude! Eat, and then he eats oh, pieces dude. of shit. Yeah, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit. <laughs> that movie fires on all cylinders at all times. Like, it does. I don't think there's a joke that doesn't work for some fucking reason. Like, oh yeah, it's really like, good. Like I still think the. Um, my favorite scene from the movie uh, where he's at the the mini golf course and he's learning how to putt <laughs> and he's like he's like getting so pissed off he's just like and there's that clown thing and, and he tries he, he hits the ball into this like mini golf clown face or whatever and it spits it out and it starts laughing at him he's like oh you think that's funny and he's <laughs> you're gonna die so, clown yeah you can cycle and it's like no one else could sell it you know, like Adam Sandler could do that. Be mad at some inanimate object that's pissing him off so hard or be mad at a, at a, a ball and just like getting a whole ball, you know, like 
Um, and that was, I think that was kind of, I'm not saying his, his gimmick, but I, I felt like he, he bridged that line or he, he kind of, um, stood that line of like, it wasn't like too out there or too outlandish to be like angry yeah. at certain things. Um, and cause it really did play to the comedy of the film. Um, but it also showed you like who that character was in the film. So yeah. anyways, um, so I got happy Gilmore. Uh, number two, I've got, fuck, I might switch these, but mm, wedding singer, I got wedding singer for number two. What a great romantic comedy. It's one of probably the most favored romantic comedies that I, I really like. And it's got everything, man. It's set in the eighties. Uh, Adam Sandler's a a wedding singer. I mean, it's perfect. It's got music. (laughs) He's got Um, longer hair. He's got longer hair. Um, he goes through his ups and downs in the film. And, you know, I feel that as a romantic comedy, I think that's also a strong point. He does have his journey throughout the film. And of course, Drew Barrymore is the, is the, is the, uh, second lead. And, you know, the perfect, the perfect per- foil to, to Adam. Dude, Sandler. the chemistry between them. They're and so I know, I know they reprised the roles or, you know, they did another film, 51st dates, which wasn't, I don't think on the same level as that, as far no. as, even though I still felt um, that their chemistry, I still enjoyed seeing both of them on the screen because totally. of Wedding Singer. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's a really fun movie. And it's, it's yeah. I don't know. And there's something about the 80s. I feel like the 80s, it's just everyone is very infast- uh, infatuated with the, the 80s and, <laughs> and music and, and, and all sorts of stuff. And um, it's where I kind of learned a little more about eighties music, to be honest, the soundtrack's freaking awesome. It's, it's a good soundtrack. Uh, there's two volumes. So good. Oh shit. Um, I think, I think, I, I think you had it. I'm, yeah. I remember if you did. Yeah, absolutely. When we, when we used to collect CDs, <laughs> so. I've looked for it on vinyl. It's not been released on vinyl. Oh man. We should, we should, uh, write a letter, it. write a letter. <laughs> yeah. We demand the start uh, a uh, change.org petition. <laughs> We need the vinyl we need this. for Wedding Singer out. We need this now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I really like the film, man. And it it's another feel-good movie for me because I really love that scene near the end where he writes that song for her and it, he's on the plane and he's pretending, you know, he's surprises her on the plane and, and pretty much sweeps her off her feet at the end. And as kind of cliche as that sounds, I think it was the most heartfelt part of the story. And I actually, even though you laugh so much and you find it, some parts are goofy or whatnot. Like it really was a really, I thought it was a really good romantic comedy. I thought yeah. like it really did. He re, they really did sell Adam Sandler's relationship to Drew Barrymore and his, him falling in love with her throughout the film. And that moment was just so fucking romantic, man. At the end, like who wouldn't want to write a song for your, your lady and sing it to them. So, um, but uh, yeah, wedding singer. I've got for number three, Big Daddy. Very um, nice. Of course, another excuse for Adam Sandler to act like a kid throughout the film. But <laughs> angry kid, an angry kid. But it's great, man. The chemistry he had with the. It's funny because I guess the the actor. It was they're the twins, right? The who played the kids? I yeah. Think. What are their names? Um, they were on that. They were on a Disney show. I remember. And they're also uh, Ross Geller's son, Ben, on Friends. Oh shoot! Um, Big Daddy. Wow. Nice little throwback there. Yeah, it's um, Cole 
I believe Cole, Cole Sprouse and Dylan Sprouse. Dylan Sprouse. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't know they were, it was, uh, they were twins until I saw like the behind the scenes or. Right. And so that was, that's interesting. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, like one, I'm sure it it was probably easier for the, the kids themselves to, to be in front of the screen and, you know, not be there on the set because the whole movie revolves around uh, Am Sally's relationship with the kids and him taking kind of custody of them. And again, it's for a comedy. It has that journey. It has him, you know, being kind of this, you know, layabout kind of guy. And, and then he ends up uh, kind of adopting this kid. And um, of course, not legally. So, uh, but he builds this attachment to him throughout this movie. And it's just funny. It's like, what if Adam Sandler like trained <laughs> your kids or something? It, it is, it, it does have its wacky points where, you know, he's just like, it, you could tell he's really like the kids definitely taking, um, it's Adam Sandler's character is rubbing off on him. Sonny, Sonny, um, his character. And, um, I don't know. I like the ending because I thought it was great. It was a well-deserved ending. And I thought the com- the film really built that well as yeah. far as just kind of bringing him to that point and ultimately being able to somewhat have custody of him or I guess his, uh, John Stewart, doesn't John he get custody Stewart. of him? Yeah. It's Cause his it's real his dad. actual dad. Yeah. But of course he gets to befriend him and, uh, still continue that relationship. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, so shit, man, big daddy. Two more. Uh, damn dude. Oh man, I'm gonna go. I'm probably missing one so bad right now. I mean, it's a classic Billy Madison. Yeah. I mean, again, probably, probably Adam Sandler at his most <laughs> wackiest, most, uh, wackiest, and you know, it's pretty much acting like a kid throughout the whole thing, and um. I don't gotta give Adam Sandler credit, man. He acts like a kid in most of his movies, but somehow he finds a way to kind of like drill that kind of like, oh my god, like the kind of main message of the of the film and show a little bit more of his character, even though it's kind of just under the guise of these kind of uh, uh, humorous acts in the film. And um, yeah, Billy Madison, a classic character. So I, I don't know, I, what else to say? <laughs> Billy Madison, hell yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. Number five. Damn, dude. Damn, Danielle. I would say Mr. Deeds. Ooh. Okay. It's been it's been quite a while since I've seen the film. You know, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna scratch that. Let's scratch that. Let's scratch I'm gonna that. go funny people. <sighs> um one, um, it was interesting to see Adam Sandler in this kind of you know, I mean, he's had dramatic roles before and um, to kind of see this kind of vulnerable character throughout the film was very interesting because I always feel like Adam Sandler's characters are usually not as vulnerable. I mean, there's some moments where, you know, there's heartbreak or whatever, or, you know, he's might lose this child or whatever. You know, those, some of those are very serious issues, but um, for the character of the face. But um, this film was very interesting as far as kind of seeing pushing that character where it's someone who is like a in the comedy world a comedian and is trying to kind of find his place so um that was who's the director on that one 
Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, yeah. yeah. With um, Seth Rogen, right? Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, Leslie Mann, Aubrey Plaza, Jason I, Schwartzman. It dude, a another good, mo- really good cast. No, yeah, another movie I, I have to kind of rewatch, but that was like another Missy's one. Sorry. Omar Epps. Yeah, it's fucking, it's, that movie's stacked. Holy shit, that's crazy, dude. Um, yeah, that's my five, dude. I think. Right on. Adam Sun all the way, man. We have the exact same list jumbled up a little bit. Um, number five, I put Big Daddy. Um, Dude, big so daddy. good, so good. Um, number four, I put Funny People, um, because you know I love Goofy Adam Sandler, but it's refreshing to see him actually act, and he has talent. Like the dude is a fucking gifted actor, but you can tell he when he tries, those movies aren't received as well and it's like he gets shy and embarrassed and he doesn't attempt that for another five six years it's really frustrating because he is really good like i want him to do more shit like that i believe sandler could win an oscar and he should have been at least nominated for funny people um coincidentally enough it's my favorite movie of 2009 fun fact hey um me and my brother saw it at midnight showing um projector was broken for like the first 45 minutes so oh shit it was a long night um Number three, The Wedding Singer. This was my introduction to Adam Sandler, and it is the most perfect romantic comedy, like traditional romantic comedy. You know, it's yeah. so good. Um, yeah, Wedding Singer. Number two, Billy Madison. Um, just jokes per minute is like unparalleled, like, and <laughs> all of them fucking fly and are hilarious. Um, and then we share two number ones tonight, sir. We might share a third when we go to our next segment, but, um, happy Gilmore. Um, and let's talk about the real MVP, Ben Stiller. Um, oh my God. As the nursing home, that. uh, attendant or whatever you want to call him. <laughs> you know, this is handmade quality shit. We're talking about as the <laughs> little old ladies are like quilting. Um, it's so funny. It's so good. It's um, great because that his character added that level of like, cause he's doing this whole thing for his grandma throughout the film. Yeah. You know? And, you know, obviously he, you know, meets a girl and, and all these different things. But that's kind of like his motive for most of the film is is him yeah. trying to, to help his grandma and keep the house and everything like that. And it's great because that character is the it's just so like, oh, my gosh. Like, and it's weird because I'm, you know, like I hate to kind of make this a, like a, bring us to reality. But I bet you anything there's that stuff happens. Oh, totally. In senior totally. homes. And, you know, not, not to joke about that or anything like that, but to showcase a character like that. And raise some type of awareness or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, it it brings the stakes up. You know, that's obviously the audience is cued into his character, um, but Happy doesn't know. So, yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah, dude. We run the gamut. Yeah, Um, yeah. From Spielberg to Sandler. Holy shit. Um, What an episode, folks. It's not over yet. Um, Real quick, we're going to run down um, each week on the show. We do a weekly segment. for this amount of time, it's been Beatles. We started with their first record. We're going to do this real quick, all right? Please please me with the Beatles, Hard Day's Night, Beatles for Sale, Help, Rubber Soul, Sergeant Revolver, Sergeant Revolver. Peppers, <laughs> Magical Mystery Tour, The White Album, Yellow Submarine, Abbey Road, Let It Be. Um, we did our top five favorite Beatles albums. Last week we did... Uh, Past Masters Volume 1, and this week we do Past Masters Volume Volume 2. So, Past Masters was a collection of the Beatles' singles, 
typically they wouldn't put out a single with the album or they wouldn't pull a single off an album. They'd just produce fucking amazing songs and just put them, put two out two together, you know? So past masters is a collection of all these songs and should kind of be viewed as couplings or whatever. Um, so Shawnee, after listening to volume two, which covers their, their, the latter half of their career, what are your top five favorite songs off of past masters volume two? Dude, this was so hard because, um, yeah, it it is, you know, it has a lot of their great singles in there. Um, (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what order, but I've got, I've got Hey Jude as number one. Ding, 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 ding. We have hit. <laughs> Same three. number one oh, all across dude. the board. I don't think that's ever happened on a show. Before. I don't think this it has. It's historical it has. right now. <laughs> Pretty fucking sweet. Hey man. Well, you know, I think we've you know we obviously we've talked about Hey Jude. It's it's such a universal song. The the kind of chant at the end. It, it has everyone singing, and no matter what language or whatever, it's it's such a kind of a uh, universal song. It, it really grabs everyone and. Um, when I think Beatles, I always tend to kind of think that song in my head. Um, in fact, I, maybe that might have been my one of my earliest memories of the Beatles, like maybe one of the earliest songs I remember listening Same. to them. So uh, I got Hey Jude as number one. Nice. Uh, maybe we'll get number two together. Let It Be? No. No, <laughs> no. we did not. Uh, again, a very emotional and strong song. Um and uh, the lyrical, you know, we already talked about the song in the past, but um, just the lyrical content and the way it's sung, and you can really uh, get that emotion out of the song. And, uh, oh, man, another, I feel like another song that really encompasses the Beatles. I mean, there's, I mean they have so many singles out there, but when I think Beatles, you know, Hey Jude, Let It Be, those songs are the, what makes them such legends. I feel as far as their legacy and and you know their influence on everyone else. It's just those songs are just so solid, and um, and very uh, they yeah they touch every little bit as far as the different senses. And I just feel like I almost feel like uplifted every time I, I listen to these songs. And so um, yeah. so let it be number three. I have don't let me down. Ooh. And you've actually, I feel like you, because uh, Joey's been, um, has been, uh, I remember the last time I saw, uh, we wouldn't, like, you always sing that song. <laughs> I think last I time we hung out song, in Monterey, we were listening to that record and. Uh, we jammed yeah, a little dude. bit of it um, at your Christmas party, your family's. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's that right. Was fun. Which was I think we should definitely cover again. Um, yeah. I, I like the song. It's very kind of chill and. Um, it's got this kind of, I really like the kind of baseline groove or like just kind of the groove that happens within the verses and, and then that, just that kind of, uh, uh, group vocal. Don't let me, it's just, uh, it's cool. It's got a lot of emotion and stops and it fucking jumps back in. Yeah. It's got its moments. It has, it's, you know, and that's, I think for every, I would say for traditionally for most songwriting, it, it's got to have, you know, you got to have your peaks and valleys and little moments where, you know, you have a lot of emotion happening and a lot of, you know, sounds happening and then kind of, you know, bring it back. So I felt like this, this song definitely kind of had a good pacing to it. Um, so I've got, don't let me down is number three. Ooh, uh, man, 
I've been switching my numbers here. (laughs) Um, I've got number four, Get Back. Ooh. Um, Yes. Probably one, I feel like one of the fun, like fun sounding Beatles songs. It's just got that like, like, yeah, like kind of a march strut. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just got that, that kind of uh, pacing where you, you just want to bob your head and. Yeah, oh, and then the guitar God. work is so, and that's the thing that adds to it is just the guitar and, um, you know how they were playing on that record and the solo in it. It's really fun, um, and it's it's just a singable song, and that, you know that's what I like about Beatles songs. They they find a way to be very musical, but also in that pop realm, you know, songs that you can recognize and sing back, and um, yeah, one of my favorite Beatles songs. Very nice. Very nice. So number four, and then I've got number five. Paperback writer. Paperback writer. <laughs> Again, writer. a killer guitar lick when it comes in after that, you know, that intro part. And um, yeah, I, I know we always laugh because isn't that the song? Remember, um, Alan, our, yeah. our old guitar teacher, <laughs> used to say. <laughs> It was such a, uh, what was the... He was like, it's a really cool lick. Gay lyrics, but it's a really cool lick. <laughs> or, or, you know, something like that. Yeah, it, it was, it's definitely a, an interesting song lyrically. and um, But it has that, just that uh, traditional Beatles kind of like that, you know, almost getting to that kind of rock side of it. You know, there's, there's a little more dirt on the guitars. There's... Uh, it just you kind of, it feels more a little more aggressive than some of their songs other songs. Yeah, I can so, see that. Uh, yeah, and uh, I know they were you know obviously experimenting with different recording styles and stuff, and um, but again it has that kind of pacing to it. I don't know, like something to do with you know it's 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 a it's a high high uh, what's the word um, just a high paced song. It's you know it's fun. It's you know, it, it makes you want to move and dance. So, hell yeah! So that's that's my five, man. I, I there was a lot of I I had to do some research there and kind of I had sat there for a little bit. I was like, oh man, I don't know. And um, of course, there's some other songs you know on there that are are you know well worth on the to be on the list. So, uh, Joe, what are your top five Beatles songs? Um, shit, I can't believe I didn't get get back on here, but I went with kind of a one that's been. Stuck in my head every time I listen to it. It's never been one of my favorites up until recently, and I've been listening to it more and more. But the Ballad of John and Yoko. Um, It's just an autobiographical peek at like their whirlwind marriage and bed in and or love in or whatever you want to call it. Um, But yeah, it's kind. It's a catchy tune. Um, Christ, you know it ain't easy. And it's got that do 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 that sweet guitar. Um, and it's just him and Paul. Um, oh shit. All which right. is pretty sweet. It's pretty cool. cool. Um, but yeah, number four, I'm going to go day tripper. Oh, I missed that, that opening too. riff dum, is just dum, dum, money. Dude. Dum, it's fun. And then the little, uh, you know, the, what drum is that? Uh, tambourine. That. Tambourine, thank you. Um, yeah, all of it just builds, 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 and it's just fucking great. It's good um, number three, I put Let It Be, because, um, yeah, it's just, it 
it's going to help you some way, shape or form, whatever, if whatever, whatever you're going through, that song is going to be there for you is kind of the best way I can describe it. You know, um, number two, don't let me down is just, I don't know, man, I really love this song. You know, when I, when I hear this song and I, I listen to Lennon, just screaming or um, like the second verse, especially just owns me. Uh, I'm in mm-hmm. love for the first time. Don't you know it's going to last? It's it's loud ass forever. And he's just screaming. Yeah. Um, I think of Kurt Cobain, like Kurt Cobain was always like, I want to sound like Lennon, you know, when he was in the studio, like that was kind of his go-to guy. And mm-hmm. um, uh, what's his name? Um, Butch Vig, who produced Nevermind, I guess had to like tell him like, dude, Lennon double tracked his vocals. It's okay. And like, that's the only reason, you know, Cobain would double track his vocals. Um, But I just, I hear it in that. I hear the influence and it's just fucking rad. It's such a good number. Um, But yeah, the guitar riff, the bass line throughout, it's really fucking great. And then, of course, number one, Hey Jude, because it's Hey Jude. It's Hey Jude. Hey Jude. Wow. Yeah. that's what, that's what I love about those you know that song too. It's like at the end, no matter if it's it continues on with the chant and it's just like it keeps building and building and building and it's uh it's so joyous. Like it is. I get like a really positive feeling after I listen to that song. Yeah. And Christine you know, called the, it a downer the other day. I was like, What are you talking about? This is one of the most <laughs> hopeful songs ever. Um, yeah, it is, man. Like it starts feel, out, you know, I get it, but like nah, it builds. Yeah. It builds to that wonderful crescendo um and i guess after they cut it you know george martin was like no one's gonna release a seven minute song and john lennon was like they will if it's us whoa whoa (laughs) like that's pretty fucking rad only Um, the beatles can say that man (laughs) right so uh yeah those are my five past masters volume two like it dude next week I don't know. We'll we'll talk. Um, we'll, figure, we wanna, we'll figure it out, guys. Do you want to do the Love album? Oh yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, the Circus Soleil. Yeah, let's do that one. Love. It's it's really good. Yeah, I, I want to listen to it. And yeah. oh man, this makes me think of our when Joey and I went to Vegas for like our twenty first birthdays. Um, <laughs> it we felt stayed super at really yeah. <laughs> We weren't as we weren't a crazy party as we used to, but um, we stayed in a hotel, and I think love was the, the Mirage. The Mirage, yeah, they had it there. And um, if we ever go back to Vegas, Joey, I would love to go see that because I think that's a really cool experience. I'd be so down, so, so down. Um, Shawnee, I know you got to run, but real quick, anything shout out you want to do this week? Um. Not much, really. I think um, just excited for our hundredth episode, and you know, if you guys can come out, you know, please send in your top fives. If you have, we're going to be, um, you know, sh- uh, saying them or reading them out loud or not loud <laughs> live. We're going to be we're, we're going to be reacting. We're not going to be reading them quietly. They're yeah, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be reacting and and engaging and. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking some top fives, and I'm super stoked. We have some, you know, we've invited some friends and family, but hopefully if there's anyone who doesn't know us and would like to meet us, too. <laughs> um, but not, like, in a Mark David Chapman kind of way, like, in a genuine <laughs> In a genuine way, and capacity. it would be cool if, you know, we can see some people who listen to the show, and if not, I am excited to meet some new people and introduce them to our show. So, Same. Um, yeah. Shout if out we meet to in person, maybe I'll allow you to follow me on Instagram. I don't know. 
the whole world yeah. is wide open. It's an oyster kind of thing. It's it's wide open. And, yeah. Um, you know, we we have our we have our lives on the side, but uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. How are you, Joe? Um, yeah, man. I will say, check out Glow season two on Netflix. Binged oh, it yes. yesterday. It's fantastic. Mark Maron is fucking money in this show. He's the MVP for sure. Um, but yes, to echo what you said, please come out. So it's going to be at East Village Cafe, July thirteenth at seven p.m. Uh, we're going to be in the back room there. Uh, there will be stickers. Um, but just please send in your top fives, hit us up either, um, on, on Gmail, Twitter, or Instagram. That's at top five pod. That's T O P F O. No, fuck. T O P F I V E five P O D. Um, Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at top five podcast. So that's where it's happening. Folks, our dear, dear imaginary audience, Jonathan, <laughs> yes. where can we find more of your work on the internet this week, sir? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Shonday Music and also my website, shondaymusic.net. Uh, Joe, yeah. where can we find your work? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Joy Prodi, but it's private. But you can check out my public website, joyprodiscripts.com. And there we have it. Sure. There we have it. Please remember to uh, check out the show on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, give us a follow and tweet at us shout at us comment love us whatever on the uh accounts i just mentioned so yeah we're looking forward to seeing you guys july 3rd july 13th friday the 13th oh that's gonna be interesting that's gonna be fun dude yeah it will be yeah fucking will be all right and oh and we also have top five stickers we Uh, do have stickers so if you guys come out we'll be passing some of those out and you guys can can wear them on your face and on on your your butt genitalia (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much anywhere you want to put it, but because yeah, uh, <laughs> they stick and they'll stay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, until next time, I'm Joey Prodi, and I'm Sean Day. Thanks. Thanks for, for listening. listening. Yeah. <laughs>